Nice Things. Hello, good evening and welcome to another fun-packed, thrill-filled edition of Nice Things. Nice Things. The antidote to modern living. And joining me, Sir Michael Livesley, this week we have... My name is Paul Carmichael and I've seen your sort round here before. Ooh, you're looking very like Joe Biden in his speech the other night with the red background. What's he, he called? Wearing, was he wearing a shirt like this as well? Or? Oh, no, 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 not at all. He didn't have the manner of a Renaissance poet. Oh, but yeah. he had a, ba- a red background and um, apparently there's trouble afoot in the colonies due to... Well, what, what's happened now? Do we have to go back out and sort it? I think so. I think that's what the problem is. They need the redcoats back to sort them out. Give them I a don't know if we have any American viewers and listeners, but you know, if you can't do it properly, then exactly. we'll have to do it for you. We'll have to step in, like the yeah. aliens do on a planetary scale every 2,000 years or so. Mm. That sort of thing. That yeah. sort of thing. Speaking That's of aliens, nice yeah. thing of the week. I have a nice thing this week. Doctor Who. Oh, it's there we go. John Pertwee said, Doctor Who, and Sal. <laughs> um, season 10 box set, which I haven't dipped into yet as I'm still chewing my way through the season 14 box set, mm. which with the commentaries is fantastic. Um, I gather, and also that behind the sofa feature has actually got uh, Tom on it, which is oh, yes. great, instead of a, a bunch of no marks like they generally have. No, absolutely. Um, um, there was one recently which they did with people who were just fans or something. That was a little extra thing. I was like, no, I don't, not I'm not interested. Not interested at all. No. So I don't want that. But no, the ones on there, oh, it's a lovely set, that one. That's and lovely. the Sarah Jane stuff on season 14, it's, oh, the ending of Hand of Fear now. You know, mm. I, and I know that, you know, Sarah, uh, Elizabeth Sladen died a while ago, but... You know, just watching the ending again this week, it was like, oh, man. That scene between her and Tom where she leaves the TARDIS. Beautiful. Liz Sladen was what... It was an interesting thing that time. I mean, not if you were part of it, but um, the whole thing of typecasting for Mm. women, uh, women particularly, seemed to just be just absurd. Well, basically, you were wanted in the industry up until about the age of 30, Mm. maybe 32, then you weren't needed. You weren't wanted. There were no parts really being written for women, particularly. And then when you get to be the age you can be a character actor, there's more parts being written. But from things like Tenko, of course, that's obviously... Oh, you there you these, go. You get these things the occasionally. Enough. But what it means, I think, is you get some people... I mean, Christ almighty, Elizabeth Sladen could do so much by doing so little. The, the performances, she does this thing where it sounds and looks for all the world when she's acting like she's trying not to cry. And it's one of the greatest mm. skills because as empathic creatures, we empathise with her feeling like that. And you just sort of, oh, she can make me well up. I think Philip Hinchcliffe says on uh, one of the commentaries, or one of the extras, he says about how she could portray two emotions at once. Yes. Yes, she absolutely can. That's it. I mean, that last scene that you talked about there, <clears throat> that's a perfect example. Oh, it's heartbreaking so from so both moving. the actors. And but when it's she's out, played she on two the, levels. The tap on the head with the tennis racket. On the dog. Oh. Yeah, it, it's yeah. just... Yeah, it's, it's just lovely stuff. Proper telly acting. One person for whom subtlety, though, was a stranger was Robert Hardy. 
Um, and I don't know, have you had a chance to watch Speed King yet? I haven't had a chance yet, but I am. It is very much on the agenda. And seeing as seeing it's a bit rainy, I think that today could be the day to have the afternoon. Well, that. Sir Donald Campbell, who he portrays in this, who notably died in Bluebird. Is that, that was, what the film is? That's I what it no is. Idea. Right, oh. right, right. So the thing about Donald Campbell, Sir Donald Campbell, is even when I was growing up, the Bluebird thing was still a massive um, public interest story. There was still programmes. Obviously, that film was made about him with Robert Hardy. I think that's 81. But mm. they were still doing documentaries on Bluebird, still looking for the wreckage. I think that it, it sort of speaks to a time where something like a national tragedy... You know, because I think that in these current times we're in, there are, there are things that happen that are just as tragic as that. And in this news cycle we have, they happen, they're forgotten very quickly. I don't mm. think that, you know, things will be made in 40, 50 years' time as they were about Donald Campbell. He seemed no. to be omnipresent. How about you? Do you do you have that? I know it's a bit Spangles and Space Hoppers, this. Oh, but, no, no, but no. Don, So Donald Campbell seemed to be, like they used to go on about uh, Roger Bannister, Mm. They oh, were no, kind I... of. We had these monoliths within culture, and we don't have it now. Absolutely no. Um, I remember the first time I went to Windermere. We used to go to the Lake District about once every two years with the caravan, um, dragging that up the M62. But when we, um, I remember being at Windermere and already having some knowledge of Donald Campbell mm. um, by that point. And I'm sure that there'd been a feature on Blue Peter that I would have seen. It's one of those Blue Peter yeah. things to yeah, talk yeah, about. Yeah. So it was definitely part of my consciousness. I remember the BBC drama, not the. Um, I remember Across the Lake, it was called, which starred Ronald Pickup, I think. I could oh, be wrong. I love Ronald um, Pickup. Playing him. And my God, that was a wonderful production. That was a Sunday night BBC One, hour and a half, I remember. And just loving it. And they... For the uh, for the mid eighties, they restored the actual film of where the bluebird flips over. Yes. They restored it beautifully and played it in. And because they'd built BBC going for it, <clears throat> building their own bluebird that would actually go on the water, it seamlessly cut together. And it's that proper chills moment. Mm. And I remember when they found the bluebird and and up it came. I mean, that was just interesting, isn't it? Because you get things like that that are a part of the national mm. psyche. And I think maybe it's to do with the fact that he died doing something kind of mad. I mean, kind of pointless. Well, is it an archetype that has been sort of removed as such? You know, this sort of adventuring chap. Right um, back to Livingstone. That's yeah, all. yeah, yeah. Because I, I think that probably what we've done is we've decided, our oh, media itself culturally has decided that we're going to move away from that sort of archetype because both Roger Bannister and Sir Donald Campbell sort of represented an archetype that we don't tend to promote anymore, which is of the sort of gingery chap. It's partly that, isn't it? But it's also the eccentric. We don't... Yeah, yeah. I think. I yeah. think what we've become very good at is labelling things. And I think if you look at all the great eccentrics, we can easily now sort of, we can retro-engineer a, a modern condition to say, oh, they had that, to explain mm. away the eccentricity. It's like Dr. Johnson. The way that he's now thought of is, oh, we had Tourette's. Mm. I don't want to think of Dr. Johnson as having Tourette's. I love the idea that he, is that he was... Is that what they're copy- saying? Yes. 
because okay. he, he was coprophilia, dear, so he couldn't help himself. Just the swear words would explode out of him. So maybe he did have. But I just like the idea that it's Robbie Coltrane swearing a lot, to be honest with you. I don't yeah. feel the need to apply to that modern-day sensibility. Yeah, exactly. And mm. I think we are in danger of doing that by saying, oh, he would have had this, he would have had that. But by doing that, we stigmatise as well. No matter what anyone says, we stigmatise. And I think that's partly why we don't have great eccentrics talking to us anymore. People yeah. like him. People like um, Roger Bannister. Bannister ended up being, hated being known for the four-minute mile, of course. Hated it. Because right. he was a doctor. And he just he wanted to talk about his medical staff all the time. And nobody cared at no. all. They just, it was just all about the race. But uh, I think we've lost I think, Robert Hardy. When was the like? Where's find me an actor like Robert Hardy who they have to crank the boom mics up so he doesn't pop them? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You can, oh. you you're in for a treat when you watch that. Oh, you're is in he for full on real... Robert Hardy? Oh yes, yes, yes. There's no subtlety with oh. Robert Hardy, and he's got no. his hair dyed black in this, so it's just like, uh oh. You know, when Robert Hardy when they muck about with his hair, because mm. I think Tristram Farnan times all creatures great and small. Sorry, Siegfried. Mm. Um, he's he's kind of got his hair bleached hasn't he what he's got interestingly because we know it was coloured is he's got that spun gold sort of he cigarette has got the 70s spun gold. hair he's got the colour which but makes me think his? well it makes me wonder sure. if if Morris Perry and Ronald Allen and the people like that they actually did have that cigarette coloured hair or was that actually a fashion I think that that was what the hair was like I think mm. with Robert Hardy so you've got very different Robert Hardys, haven't you? You've sort of, in the Cleopatras, you've got, he's got the curls in. You mm. know, that's a very different Robert Hardy. Um, in uh, this Speed King, he's got the sort of slicked back black look. Um, one thing I noticed about him, and it may be simply, I mean, he was like Pertwee. He was a lover of the old pancake. Mm. I mean, he was a man who enjoyed his makeup. <laughs> you know, mm. he's sort of... Uh, He's putting right uh, a calf bed in a cow, Robert Hardy, with an eyeliner. Yes. You know. So I think that Robert Hardy was a ginge. That's that's my take on it. If you look at the incredible Robert Baldick and you look at the stalls of Barchester Cathedral, he's kind of he's got he's he's a he's a gingery chap, isn't he? He's gingery. Yes, no, he is. But presumably that didn't come about through the fags and things, because he lived to a No, I think he's just a, a ginger guy. I think he was just a ginger guy. That's my take on it. Hmm. But oh. because of his love of pancake, he looks all right with black hair because they've obviously done the makeup for him. Oh, yeah. I like to think that, like Bella Lugosi, he used to travel around with his own makeup kit. Oh, I can fully imagine that he would have done that. Yes, yes. Absolutely. Yes. Oh, yes. But he, he, he was fantastic. He was, he was. Didn't he also, there was a there was an altercation on the set of All Creatures Great and Small because obviously they didn't have dressing rooms and there was something about the toilets not being up to standard. Robert Hardy didn't feel they were up to standard. And I think it was John Nathan Turner because he was production unit manager. It was his job to sort the bogs out, as I recall, to right. Robert Hardy's standards. I can imagine that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I can imagine that. He seems mm. formidable. And um, we need more Robert Hardys in the world. We and um, you were quite sad this week, weren't you, uh, uh, with Bill Turnbull passing? I was. I was. Yeah. Bill, Bill Turnbull. Yeah, he's... I don't know. I, I, think he, I think Bill Turnbull got it right as a news presenter. Turnbull was one of those presenters, and they are few and far between who doesn't have to pause between stories. Normally what you find, if you watch links on news stories, 
Then, you know, oh, we're coming to the end of the nice story about the puppy who was saved from the top of a tree. Now, in Rhodesia, death and disaster, they always do the pause, yeah. whereas Turnbull could segue from one to the next beautifully. I mean, just with intonation, with the way that he looked down the lens, everything would just change. And he had an effortless ability to carry you from story to story. Yeah. Very personable. So he got an awful lot out of people he talked to. But also, once he'd soften them down, if they were a political target, he'd go in there as well. And mm. I remember him as being um, the American correspondent, North American correspondent, I think he was in the early 90s, when he first started. And yeah, I, I just thought he was a hell of a good, a good one of the few remaining sort of like old school journos that you could see on telly. And he worked his way up. You know, he went from the student newspaper to working on the Glasgow Herald to BBC Scotland. And he really worked his way up. And it's also just the fact that it's far too bloody young to die, isn't it? It's, yeah, that's absolutely. The thing. That's but it thing. is a case with newsreaders. I remember there was a guy, and he, I don't watch the telly, so he's probably still on there. Do you remember? It was it So Rahman who was yes. on, on Granada. And mm. I remember him doing a story once, and it was about some poor, unfortunate bugger. And he finished the story, and he was, and he burned his house down. And then it's like, uh, uh, and he started pissing his pants. It's just like this terribly tragic story. Uh, there's some great incidents of when newsreaders just get the giggles at the worst possible moment. Oh, yes. Oh, can you imagine Wonderful. that? Of course, the thing that sticks... And by the way, his classic FM show, Bill Turnbull, was fantastic. Um, oh, yeah. Do you remember when... Was it women's libbers burst in and uh, when Jan Leeming was presenting the news? In the eighties. Oh no no! What? Oh, here he goes. Here's the here truth. Here we go. Here's the so, truth with strong arm. This uh, strong arm's truth on this one is it was the six o'clock news and it was presented that day by Sue Lawley and Nicholas Witchell. Okay. Uh, yes, and it was uh, it was lesbians uh, who burst in. It was to do with Section Twenty Eight, as I remember. right. Okay. Um, and somehow they got through past the commissioners in TV Centre, which was. I don't know how they did that. I'd love to find out how they did that. But they got past the commissioners. Nobody got past those old buggers. The first time I went there, I, they kept me stood there for 15 minutes. Ah, but no you're not a lesbian, it. dear. Oh, it could be that. Maybe that's why they let them in. That's right. But I'd let them in for the same reason, I think. Exactly. But, but yeah, they got into, um, I think it was TC7, just as the news was going on air. And then, yeah, they were under the desk. They were attached to the chairs, Ooh. shouting. Uh, Nicholas Witchell had to sat on one, uh, sit on one rather. Um, oh yeah, and on uh, somewhere <laughs> in my collection, dear. I, I see somewhere I've got a recording Labeled of this. Lesbians oh. on the news. Labeled six o'clock news with gallery talkback. Oh, oh, get it digitized. Get it out there. I think I've got it. I will have a look for it and send it to you, and I will share it on Twitter for the boys and girls. That's splendid. Nice. I know oh. what I'm getting confused with. Did a Go light on. explode above Jan Leeming? A light exploded, and she had to stand up because it went on her ass. That's you right. see, that was a different world then. When a light exploding was bloody, you know, headline news for a few Ooh. weeks. Oh, absolutely, and and still played occasionally now. Yeah. Whereas there's a there's a lovely one as well on. Um, I think it's a, it's a Dark Shadows, of course, set in 1897, where they're being all spooky in a crypt, and then suddenly you get this, boof, and one of the lights explodes above them. And the actors just pause for a moment. Everyone looks off camera. 
And then back into it. We just keep going. Um, lovely stuff. But now I remember, yeah, Jan Leeming with that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's again, it's one of those things that the um, public consciousness is shaped by the media, isn't it? And I don't think mm. that the media these days are uh, entirely, um, what's the word, noble in their uh, ambitions for I think that I think that they're to blame for we we've, we've done this to death we did this yeah, two yeah. editions back so we won't go down that route but I think that I think the whole world could be vastly improved if um television's output had more sort of you know heroic stories on it well I, I think it might do actually but you, I think you need people then who can convey that you'd need to get the next Reginald Boson K Mm. And he wouldn't be allowed on telly these days. Who are the current news readers now? I noticed this week you were very, uh, very keen on uh, a lady on was it Northwest Tonight or something like that? Yes, I wasn't yes. expecting. Uh, wasn't expecting yeah. that. Um, yes. Yeah, that was out the blue. Uh, sort of Northwest Tonight comes on. And I'm thinking uh, it'll be Gordon Burns, but I think he actually left about twelve years ago. Yonks ago, probably twenty. And my my first thought was hello about the young lady. Well, strangely say, enough, yeah. Gordon Burns, that was quite jarring because he was a Granada man who he ended was. up being the face of the BBC in uh, Northwest. And the lady you're talking about wasn't... Hasn't she left to join Granada this week? Has she? Yeah, I thought that's why you were on about her. No, I was just on about her because she's quite nice to she's look She's beautiful. Mm. Which she is. But that uh, was the reason. That was right. the reason. However, however, very young. That's the other point which annoyed me then, because I was ah. thinking that then I was thinking, well, I'm old enough to be your dad, dear, and that got me quite cross. It's quite menacing, actually. It is, isn't it? Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. yes. I, should, I should just say it with a with a tint of menace, shouldn't I? Yes, you should. Um, Where are you going? Yeah. But I think that I think that they've had a. Go- I mean, wasn't there a story uh, about? 15 years ago, and I always get mixed up with the First Minister of Northern Ireland. Is it Arlene Phillips who was on the telly? Arlene Foster. See, right, there's an Arlene who's a politician, isn't there? That's Arlene Foster, I think. Right. The, the, she's the one who, the loud lady. Right, and Arlene Phillips was Strictly Come Dancing, is that right? That's right, yes. And her argument was she'd been re- removed from her position in the show because she was too old. That's correct. Right. But, um, I mean, they've sort of, they've tried to address that. I I really, that's one of the things that I think um, I do have an objection with when they, um, they don't have, you know, ladies over a certain age in these positions. I think, uh, I think you've hit upon a problem there, dear, within oh, broadcasting. No, they consider um, ladies of a certain age that mm. um, they take them out of these positions. I think Arlene Phillips had a point. I think she might well have done. I mean, but then, you know, I I think about sort of wonderful people. I mean, again, I'm, I, I at the moment I've got a bit of an obsession with Stephanie Cole, which I just can't help because obviously yeah. from Waiting for God and so on. But Doesn't now, live far from you. Stephanie Cole? Mm-hmm. Really? Mm-hmm. Ooh, I nice. thought you'd know that. I thought that's why you lived there. No, no, I didn't know this. Oh, okay. Ooh. All right, I must do some uh, investigation on this. But no, just watching her on Tenko, just going, but you're so bloody good. She where are the roles good. for this? Where are the roles? Where are where are you? Why is Jan Leeming not on television? She could be. I don't know if Jan... Jan Leeming was doing something with Angela Rippon, wasn't she? And Selena Scott. 
Yes. Um, right. But I mean, you know, it's kind of like you've had Philip Schofield on that sofa for donkey's years with a, a procession mm. of young ladies sitting next to him. Yes. You know. Um, because men are allowed to grow old gracefully on television, whereas this is ladies the point. aren't. Yes, yes. You know, I think, I think the basic problem, I think the basic problem is always going to be the fact that when the menopause hits, your body shape changes a bit and arseholes go, well, that's now not what we want to see. That sort of thing. So we, yeah. we don't see that. Whereas blokes, if we don't eat badly and so i suppose we can stay relatively not the same obviously no her or anything no, but no. it does that make sense that i think maybe well, it's, it just seems to be the model brunch. within industry doesn't it yeah you know the bloke is. remains on the sofa and uh and then there's a revolving door for the ladies um well, yeah. so anyway that's uh the campaign starts here yes and diamond is still working and diamond she's is. on your favorite yes absolutely yeah gb put, news put some money into it come on what about Nick needs. Owen? Nick Didn't Owen he is, retire? No, no, Nick Owen is still BBC Midlands. He's the right. he's the BBC. Didn't he get involved with Footy? I think he always has been. Didn't he go right. on something like Celebrity Mastermind? And he was just with a, it was it whoever his chosen team was, and he was just flying through the questions and got one of the highest scores ever. I mean, remarkably knowledgeable about that. Yeah. Mm, I seem to remember so, he was involved with either Luton or Watford. There's a sort of those show busy teams, isn't there? Like Elton John was always was like was Elton John Luton like Eric Morecambe. Well, I don't know. I mean, we've got an issue here, which is football and Elton John. Uh, well, quite. Know. But you remember Eric Morecambe's preoccupation with Luton? I think yes. he was on the board there. Yeah. Which, yeah. you know, I, I'm interested in because it's Eric Morecambe, I suppose. Yes. But I, yes. I would have loved to have seen him in a board meeting, just in case he was still doing... Glasses on Eric. side. That, all, yeah. that, all that, I hope it was. He would have been. Yeah. He would have been. Actually. There was a story on one of them documentaries about a guy who... He, so they filmed him, you know, in his waders doing the fly fishing. And he said, you know, Eric, somebody said to Eric, go fly fishing with this guy because he had the heart operation coming up and have a nice relaxing day, you know, so you'll be calmer and more ready for it and stuff like that. And uh, the guy said he just wouldn't stop being Eric all day. He was Eric off the telly. And he, he says, he said to him at one point, he was like, look, just you don't have to do all this, you know. We're just yeah. fishing. We're yeah. just fi But I don't think he had an off switch. No, no, I don't think so. I mean, when that... he came out the hospital after that operation, oh, he yeah. was going for it immediately with the nurses around him. But just... that was a massive story as well, wasn't it? I remember him coming out and saying, yeah, they've got me in a little bottle in there now. Yeah. Um, I, yes. I just remember it really well. But it's it's odd, isn't it, the way that news stories became huge? I mean, it's like the whole who shot JR when they were bringing the film recordings into Heathrow. That was news. I mean, literally just film cans on a pallet going through the airport. But the film cameras from ITV and BBC are both on there. And I think there was something like a, a year's delay between the American broadcast and the British one. But no way of finding could. out. You I mean, could, that's then. the thing. It says it all that the papers didn't spoil it. Fair play to them for that, because they could have done. But, no. Oh, that was a better world, wasn't it? When we oh, couldn't yes. find out. Yes. Oh, yes. That was better, yeah. I think I think we were better in our ignorance. I think we were happier in our ignorance. I think it made us work harder, because if we wanted to find out, it took effort. I remember people recording, like, EastEnders and Corrie uh, and putting the tapes in the post for people who lived in Spain. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. I I was once sent a VHS of 
uh, that week's episodes of Neighbours as they were going out in Australia. So 18 mm, months ahead, that was... No, but the same thing. It was, but to actually see how th- other people did their telly, to see their yeah, continuity yeah, the little bits and bobs. Oh. It's a bit like when you get those uh, ABC Seven record. I remember getting a recording of the Damons like mm. that. You know, the black and white one that Australian uh, ABC. I think it was ABC Seven. Is it that was correct? ABC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and and just sort of like now coming up, this, that, the other, and blah, blah, blah. And then um, the adverts for things that you didn't see in our shops. Yes. And it, it was, it was exotic, wasn't it? We, we've oh, lost all that. We have, we have. It's very globalised. A bit like those, adv- those bloody adverts for, what are they called? I, don't, I can't remember what they're for. I think they're for things so your room doesn't smell of shit. That's what they imply. Like, if you've got an animal and it makes your house smell of shit, spray this around. But yeah. they record them in German and then they dub them. And it's like, oh, yes. we'll dub them in every language and throw them about cheaper. You know, I put them out in German with subtitles. Yes. I'd be interested, and I'd be spraying little moustache on the chap. If he happened to have a moustache, and the shadow fell on him in an unfortunate manner, Spike Milligan doing shake yes. and vac adverts in German is what you're saying you want. Oh, you do the shake and vac. I'd love that. It'd be great, wouldn't it? Freshness that will last a thousand years. <laughs> that, I'd love that, me. I'd love that, yes. me. But I mean, you put the telly on now, so. <clears throat> You know, Prime or something like... No, I'll tell you what it is. I've got one of them fire sticks, right? And if you watch YouTube on one of them, it's just adverts, 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 adverts. But they've sort of homogenised brands now globally. I think the first of this was when... Didn't they change Marathon to Snickers to match the global brand? And then they changed... Was it Jif to Sif? Yes. And and I remember the adverts saying, hi, yes, all over the world, our product is known as Sif. There's a bloody advert telling us. Yeah. Um, and there's a few things they've done that with, mm. you know, so that their advertising can be global. No. Well, yeah, save money and get more profits, I suppose. That's ultimately what that is. I know. I don't, I don't I like know. this. I want Monster Munch adverts back on. I want Monster Munch adverts. Like, and, and I used to like the Paul Hogan adverts for Foster's Lager. I think I remember those. Did you like Paul Hogan? No. Oh, no. No, brilliant no, Paul saw, Hogan. I saw him as a threat. Okay. Because obviously there was the issue at home with, you know, American things being bad because yes. they were American. Australia was just this unknown territory. And I had no connection with Australians. So when I saw this person with a knife and a hat, I thought... Oh, no, long before that, the Paul Hogan show on Channel 4. No, I don't. I, I've seen those in repeats. I didn't oh, see them when they went out originally, though. It was brilliant. I got, I got somebody said, "Oh, he phones his mom from a phone box." Well, there were just a number of great funny. things on it. No, no, it was good. Paul Hogan, it was good. Mm. Uh, Channel Four, late eighties. You know, um, I used to love the the comedy they put on from abroad. Shall yeah. we say? Um, yes. I used to enjoy yeah, the Cosby Show. Oddly enough. We're not allowed to anymore. We're not allowed to anymore. Um, mm. But I used to like that. I used to like the... As I was say, we didn't know anything then. We didn't. No, we were I didn't ignorant. Like, but the opening titles pissed me off on that one. I didn't With him like dancing that. and pointing at his yeah, family. Where, he, where he's dancing going, and all that. And I thought, no, absolutely. I wouldn't watch it. I no. wouldn't watch it. No, that was no. far too far. That was American. And it was just, no, absolutely no. not. 
I didn't no. like the opening titles. They'd spent money on those, but they weren't anything Bernard Lodge would have done. They were designed primarily not to say anything about the show, but to, so Bill Cosby could show off, and I didn't like that at all. Well, no. I mean, now we know what we know about Bill Cosby. You were uh, correct to not like them. Mm, absolutely. But Channel was, 4, you must have yeah. liked some that Channel 4 put out in the 80s. Countdown. I, mean, I like Countdown. I'm yes. terrible at it, but I do enjoy Countdown. Oh, is it still on? It is, yeah. Um, Who's on it now? Uh, Colin Murray. Oh, no. Oh, no, I like him on it. I like him. Yeah, I mean, I know he does all the sports mm. stuff, but I think he was on Rise when that started, and I thought, oh, I, I like this. And he's very good on Countdown. Is he? I, he's, he's very good. Oh, fair enough. Fair Better enough. than Anne Robinson. I mean, that was Was just, she on it? Oh, <laughs> she did about two or three years. Oh, lots of behind-the-scenes goss there, dear. Oh. Oh, didn't get on with an awful lot of people, did Anne. So, right. Yeah. But there we are. I mean, I, yeah, so I can watch it. No, because automatically, when I think of that period, before the word came on, which I sort of liked, hmm. but I do remember once Lemmy from Motorhead was on there. And for some reason... they On Countdown? To... No, no, on The Word, sorry. He was oh. on The Word. Right. And they decided that they'd do a video review section. One of the things I thought they you reviewed... meant The Word comes... When The Word... As in Countdown, when the bloody letters come on. Sorry. Oh, the conundrum. Sorry. No, this is not being clear. Because I'm cross with Lemmy. Because they did a video review section on The Word. And one week they decided to review the Blake 7 VHSs. And he was asked, what do you... By Terry Christian, what do you think about that? And he would, crap. I haven't liked him since. I can't see Lemmy settling down, though, to watch... Blake's Seven. Blokes Seven, maybe, but not Blake's I think, Seven. I think you should have watched more Blake Seven and done less shouting. And done less uh, amphetamine? Well, that would have helped too, I suppose. That would have helped. I mean, Lemmy lived his life at warp speed, didn't he? Mm. Oh, Do yeah, they have absolutely. warp speed in Blake Seven? No, they have standard by 10 or standard by 12. Uh, British. Let's do standard, but a little yes. bit more. Just yes, a bit. bit more so. Wasn't Blake Seven overseen by David Maloney? Um, yeah, well, Vera Lorimer produced, but Maloney mm. directed a lot of it. Yeah. Mm. Oh, it's lovely stuff. I know it's not very good, but it's <clears throat> very good. Yeah, it isn't very good, is it? No, but it's very good. It's It's got In that brio. special way. Oh, it's that special way where something can be awful but just magnificent it's not a, it's it's operatic when it needs to be no it's mm. it's like played you know you've got paul darrow eating the furniture oh well he's always entertaining isn't he paul darrow always always yes. unless he's doing churchill's people and then you go well even he can't make this work churchill's people is fantastic it's beyond oh, dross oh, it, it crosses yeah. that line of shit mm. into i'm now not sure if this is shit or if it's mm. just amazing. It's impossible to tell with it, isn't it? Mm. I mean, I, I'm, I've done about five now, Churchill's people, and I can't decide what the hell I'm watching. No. I have no idea. This is not like any other telly. It's good old-fashioned British rubbish. Absolutely. Yes, yes. Like, prove. like Blake Seven. Yes. Yes, I'll go with that. Good old-fashioned British rubbish. Wonderfully watchable <clears throat> stuff. Rubbish, yes. but by God, it's British. That's exactly it. Now then, so you got that this week. Um, yes. I got I got a nice thing. Um, had to have it, um, just because I thought I wanted it. So I got myself Miles Davis, a bit more Miles Davis. Ah. Player, with his sketches of Spain. It's not an original. It's, oh. It's, you know, 180 gram 
the all that sort of thing. Though. Yeah, the 180 gram thing's an odd thing, isn't it? Because it's quite clearly it's too heavy, if you mm. ask me. Yeah, you need a very <coughs> modern turntable to cope with it, which is... Yeah, have you got a very modern turntable? I have, I've got a very yeah. modern turntable. Oh yes, I spent money on that. Uh, yeah, you've got to, have, got to have a proper one, dear. But you've got to go to work and leave it behind every day. I don't like doing that. Uh, I, I should like imagine you that. get up early, fire her up, Yes. play a few platters, yes. and then you've got to leave. It's basically that, and yeah. I have a, a, an interesting relationship with the uh, with the speakers because they talk to me, which I didn't know was going to happen when I bought them from Richer Sounds. If they had said that, I would have said, "Can I hear the lady's voice first? Because they she's talk American. to you as well as the Alexa. Yeah, but these don't say much. I mean, I put her on, and she just goes, "What is it? Uh, line in mode." Uh, oh no! Well, which, well no. Uh, sorry. No, as soon as she says that, it it's become almost sort of like just a. Pavlovian thing. She says line in mode, and I say common. It's almost yes. like how we greet each other now. Oh well, that's all right. That's that's led to a nice little rut. Um, we're now yeah. officially in autumn, by the way. I know. Yes, the oh. leaves are turning. Um, oh. Do you think we're going to be spending the winter in darkness? I think that probably the way that we'll have to keep doing this, dear, when the electricity is put off, is just travel from town to town, performing it in the village square. That um, would be great. That'd be all right. We'd have to arrive on horseback, of course, because there'd be no petrol. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. I mean, it's a bit like, well, you know, during COVID and all that, when we were in lockdown, I quite liked that. Mm -hmm. have to leave the house, could wear the old top and pyjamas, that yes. sort of thing, so long as the top is respectable. So I didn't mind that. And I think I think a winter of discontent, I would probably rather enjoy that. It'd be a bit exciting, be like Survivors again. Maybe, but it would be, um, it would be a little bit different if we did genuinely have power cuts, and therefore you couldn't do your job from home this time, and you were only on half pay. For the days you could go in. Well, I'm not banking on that bit. It's a little bit like Soviet Russia, really, isn't it? It is you a know, little bit. The trains it? will only run certain days. Um, mm -hmm. The shops will be in darkness. There's only mm -hmm. sort of, you know, turnips for sale. Mm. Uh, be like Comrade Dad. What's that? George Cole, BBC Two, late 80s. No. You've never seen Comrade Dad? No. What's Have this you about? not? No, I need to know about this now. What is right, it? Right, well, it's a cosy sort of... Uh, it's it's oh. the usual sort of family sitcom setup, but it's right. under... Uh, so Russia and us have had a war, and, they're, uh, and we're now under Soviet occupation. Comrade Dad. Starring George Cole. Starring George Cole as Comrade Dad. Would you happen to have a copy of I, I do. I have both series. Two series. Two series of Comrade Dad. It is Arthur Daly height. Oh, where are we talking, 84-ish? I think 88, 89. I'm not sure. Oh. It might be 89, 90. Oh. But George Cole always did a sitcom, didn't he? Mm. He always did. Aside from Minder, he was always doing a sitcom. So he did Comrade Dad, Route Into Europe, you might remember. Which yes, wasn't so much a sitcom, was it? It was like a Screen 2 thing, really. Yes, but brilliant. Brilliant, Absolutely yeah. hilarious. And prophecy. Dad with, uh, is it is it Ray McAnally? Who does a Hancock... No, it's not Ray McAnally. Who's the guy who does Hancock now? On the Amnesia Express. No, yeah, that's Ray McAnally, yeah. Is it Ray McAnally? No, it's not. Ray McAnally's the old Irish actor from years ago. 
Anyway, him plays his son in Dad. You never seen Dad? No. George Cole. No, really? No, it's no, a belting sitcom. No, I haven't seen that. I'm going to have to look up who that was. I know that we're near the end of the show, dear, but I think we the are, important yes. thing... Because he was also he was Captain Mannering in the remakes of the That's Lost correct. episode. That's um, correct. And he runs the sex shop in Bottom. That's it, Kevin. Kevin. Kevin McAnally or Kevin Summer or other. Kevin McNally. Kevin McNally. There you go. It's not Ray McAnally. Were we saying Ray? We were. Ray McAnally. No, he's definitely no longer with us. No, he? He, Ray McAnally's that Irish actor who's got like a a, a very sibilant voice. He's got a very yes. sweet Irish accent. This is a weird one. Well, I am now wondering if they're in any way related. I do have to check, obviously. Kevin I thought you McNally. said his name was McNally. McNally, yeah. Yeah, no, Ray McAnally. Oh, we're missing an A. You, we are. We're missing an A, like school. Like school report. Ray, Ray McAnally. Ray McAnally, that's the chap. Uh, yeah. No relation to uh, Anthony, Anthony Anally. Of course, no. of course. <laughs> so nice things in the coming week. You got out? Um, on its way. I, well, I do. I've got I've got a seven inch single that I'm very excited about. Which Ooh. oh bloody discogs again. But um, yes, that's arriving. So hopefully this time next week I'll be able to display the single of the uh, the theme tune from Father Dear Father as sung by Patrick Cargill and the Petticoat Twins. I think next week we shall have to have a a, a, a thorough disgorgement. Of uh, of that Patrick, I think uh, good old Patrick, good old now, Patrick. I did have a thought, dear. Would it be possible to play out this week with a short piece of film that we're hoping to get some information on? Yes, yes, yes. We, we shall do that. Because you've well, got, we've got one minute nine seconds. So well, you've got thirty go. seconds to tell. Oh right, well, Michael found a piece of film recently on the internet, and we're trying to find out a little more about it so they can broaden our cultural horizons. Um, it was filmed, we think, in. I think it's China. China seems to have this uh, thing, which is men singing on construction sites. Seems so to be we're a thing. going to. So we're going to show you that piece now, and if you can think, find anything about it to say to us, get, uh, get in touch with us on Twitter at Nice Things Show. Yes, tell us all. And until the next time. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Nice Things, The Antidote to Modern Living was presented by Sir Michael Livesley and Lady Paul Carmichael. The music was written by Michael Livesley and the flutes were played by Andy Frizzell and John No Jokes Please Lewis. Nice Things is a Guilty Dog production.